Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us for another edition of the Arms Boom and Like Project coming to you live on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube yet again. This is season two. This is episode seven. We're well into the thick of things here in the month of February, and we're happy to have you along for a place where Windsor, Essex, and really, uh, well, wherever you're listening or watching from comes to talk about some good news and some really interesting topics here to sort of change the conversation locally and nationally as well. So happy to have you along for the ride. Um, as always, we're asking you to get involved in the show. We've got a really important topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, something that's very near and dear to my family's heart and so many of uh, folks who are listening to the podcast after the fact on iTunes or uh, perhaps watching this on YouTube, the topic of blood donation. So we'll get to that in the next couple of minutes. Uh, we've got two great guests that are going to join me here on the show to kind of relay their experiences, not only working for Canadian Blood Services over the course of the pandemic, but talking about the need. And there is a great need for donors. Uh, and we've got uh, a couple of different ways that you can uh, at least talk to friends and family about donating here on the program and uh, maybe setting something up in your workplace or setting it up with folks that you might know in your particular neck of the woods as well. Uh, as always, we've got lots of different uh, shows on the back end of the season one of the program. You can find those on YouTube and you can find those on uh, Apple iTunes and Spotify as well. And we would love to say, hey, stick around for a great show next week, too. We have the wonderful Sarah Mushtak, who's going to be on the show. Good friend of mine. She is a diversity and inclusion columnist for the Windsor Star among other things that she does here in the Windsor-Essex County community. Very passionate about all things Windsor-Essex too. So Sarah is a good friend of mine. She'll be on the show talking a little bit more about what our region can do to continue to engage and really um, connect with different audiences here in the Windsor-Essex area. So that's going to be uh, coming up next week, Tuesday, the 22nd at 8 o'clock. So we are talking blood services. We are talking Canadian blood services and the need for donors. Um, it is something that has been so vitally important to my family's story. If you're not familiar with my son, Liam, and some of the trials and tribulations he's gone through in his last four years of his life and um, going through talking about, you know, being able to assist with the Canadian Blood Services through the years and then actually shifting gears and becoming a donor myself. Um, we've got lots of grounds to cover. So I want to welcome a couple of folks to the program. Joining us from Canadian Blood Services is Marissa Gatfield and Monet Mann, who is joining us on the show. Hi, Guys, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, uh, it is my pleasure. And uh, geez, very timely too, when we talk about what's been going on with Canadian Blood Services and the need for blood donors here, uh, not only locally in Windsor-Essex, but really across the province and across the country too. So um, lots of ground to cover. Marissa, we'll start with you. Um, how are things locally in Southwestern Ontario for blood donations and, and I guess navigating COVID? Uh, what's happening with Canadian Blood Services over the last two years of the pandemic? Well, lots lots has changed within our donor centers uh, due to COVID. Uh, we've have uh, implemented wellness checkpoints, uh, physical distancing. We've reduced the number of appointments um, at our collection sites to ensure physical distancing is maintained. Um, we have physical barriers in, pay, in place. Our Donor beds are two two meters apart. Um, protective equipment, uh, just many 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 things. Uh, donation snacks are to go, so no one can consume, um, you know, food and uh, drink inside our clinics. So lot lots and lots of changes. I mean, obviously, um, there's um, 
it's brought many challenges, not only to our organizations, but I, I would assume all organizations across the country. I think COVID has impacted everyone on on some on some level, you know, uh, with uh, regular donors being impacted by, you know, illness and then having to isolate, and that includes our staff as well, right? Um, so the it's just a very a difficult time, and it's continually evolving. Um, just a few weeks ago, we had weather impacts that impacted donor attendance as well as um, staff uh, as well. So all these things add up. And with uh, people working remotely, um, we used to have like groups coming in on a regular basis prior to, to COVID on the corporate sector. That's pretty much uh, dwindled down to almost nothing. And um and, and right, you know, I, I, I certainly can appreciate that with people working remotely and it's not the same atmosphere, but we really count on the support of organizations. And uh, prior to COVID, we had high school light bus program that was really well supported in the Windsor-Essex area. And with, um, you know, students not being able to be in class and with all the protocols in place, that sort of is at a, a complete uh, standstill. So uh, what we have noticed that since the pandemic began, the number of donors in Canada shrunk, and that includes Windsor, Essex County. So um, we're grateful for all the donors that have supported us throughout the pandemic. Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of Canadian patients in need. But we need new donors, as you had mentioned, um, to start, you know, take that take that initial step and and make that appointment to donate, as well as returning donors. There may be many people uh, in the Windsor Essex area and across the country that um, have not come out to donate because of of COVID. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, right? I mean, I mean, I go back to the years that we've worked together through different avenues, uh, Marissa. You know, when I used to do broadcasts with with you guys at the central location in Windsor on CKLW. And I would, I, I wasn't a donor at that point, right? And and we did it for years upon years upon years. And then again, when you're personally touched by this, such a vital component to the healthcare system, which is of course blood. I mean, there's many things that we, we've got to talk about the stem cell registry, and we'll get to that with one in just a couple of minutes here too. But when you talk about how crucial it is with blood donation being such a vital uh, part of so many people's recovery and so many people's life-saving procedures and surgeries and how I would say it's easy. I know for a lot, some folks it's, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, uh, you know, too good around needles, but I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of brave it and uh, myself included, but you get used to it and you look forward to it. And I think that's the big thing too. But then if you combined this world of COVID-19 that we live in, um, it's a challenge, right? It's a big challenge to see folks come through the doors. So um, I'm hoping, you know, with, with with initiatives like this and, and and some outreach with this, it's kind of having those conversations with folks to say, um, this is something that if you're able to do it, you should do it and, and, and it will benefit somebody. Um, we, we often say from my side of the table and my wife's side of the table with my son's surgeries, and his transfusions, the three of them that he needed while he was at SickKids, um, I don't know the folks who donated blood, right? But I know that the blood was there when my son needed it. So you look at that and you look at, 
you know, where somebody else who could be in this particular situation or another situation, I mean, we could talk about your both personal experiences on that side of the fence too. It's, uh, it's really such a vital, vital, vital thing to do. And if people can wrap their heads around that, I think they would, they would probably hopefully donate more. And, and, and Monet, I mean, speaking to your personal experience too, getting involved with Canadian Blood Services and then working with them in your current capacity, let's talk about your journey through all of this. Yeah, so I mean, um, I have now been working, well, I volunteered with Canadian Blood Services starting in 2013. Um, and that was because I myself was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. Um, so I myself also went through numerous blood transfusions, platelet transfusions, and then ultimately a stem cell transplant um, twice, actually. So for myself, I mean, I wish I could individually thank those individuals that donated blood. Cause I know I lost count after about, I think it's 57 blood transfusions that I received. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, lots and lots of individuals, you know, that donated that. And I wish I could at least give them a personal thank you. Um, I'm grateful that I'm able to give my stem cell donor a personal thank you, um, who I will be forever grateful for. That's, I mean, that's a lot. I I mean, you know that you're you're the way, but that, that is a lot. And at at any point when you, you, the transfusions are happening or you're being aware that transfusions are happening, what's going through your mind about this? Like, have you, have you given blood prior to the diagnosis and, and what you had to go through? No. So I had never donated blood in the past. Um, it's funny that you touched point on being um, terrified of needles because I have a huge phobia to the point where even till date, when I have to go in for my blood work, I end up fainting because <laughs> my phobia is that bad. Um, I wish I could go back to donating now. Um Currently, I can't because I'm a stem cell recipient, but I think there might be some, you know, hope for the future for me to get back to it. Um, But literally in the time when I was getting my transfusions, I would just I would just be sitting there thinking to myself, like, what a great human out there that donated this unit of blood, you know, because I never saw myself in need of a transfusion ever. I don't think any one of us ever see that. Um, it kind of just came to be that. It's it's remarkable, all these individuals that go out there and they're saving countless lives. Yeah, you see that often, I think, you know, especially w- with the both of you working at Canadian Blood Services now, um, some of the drives that we've held here locally in Windsor, you see these folks that just walk in, they're like, oh, I'm on my I'm on my 78th donation <laughs> or I'm on my, yeah. I'm on my eight. I've been doing this since 1984. So, you know, and you're like, I'm like, Oh my God, like God. And I'm like, is there, I've always find that fascinating talk to some of these folks who come out and it's like, you're like, is there a person? No, I just want to do it. You know, I just, yeah. I, or, or my mom was a nurse and I, I, you know, though, those kind of stories that come out and um, they enjoy it. Right. They, mm-hmm. they enjoy it. They get to make that camaraderie, I think with folks. And I think it's, um, it's, it's comfort in knowing that, you know, you're sort of paying it forward if you ever need it. Um, hopefully it's there for you or heaven forbid, somebody that you love needs it too. It's there for you as well. 
For sure. My family actually once I was impacted in 2013, my family donates all the time and they donate in Mississauga at the Heartland Center. Um, so, I mean, they're going regularly every six months. Some of them go even sooner than that. Um, but it's it's beautiful to see how it even impacted my my own family, you know, and what it taught us as individuals and how to give back. Did your family give blood prior to what you had gone through? Yes. So they, yes, yeah, they were. Yeah. So they were aware of it too. Did yeah. you find, um, you know, reaching out to communities and, and reaching out to sort of uh, the different types of uh, diverse groups that are out there that that's, that's something that continues needs to be talked about and, 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 and said to, to, to folks like this is something that you can do, you should do. Uh, if you're able to do it, you, you should get out there and do it. Definitely. Yes. Always. I mean, when we started our recruitment back in 2013, um, primarily for the stem cell um, registry, it, we would always get these individuals that would question why is our eligibility for donating stem cells 17 to 35. And the push that we used to give individuals and still do to date is anybody that isn't eligible to donate stem cells can donate blood because anybody fighting a blood cancer and receiving transfusions is up to eight a week for blood transfusions. That's eight different people that one patient is receiving blood from. Uh, those are a lot of units. Um, so yes, I think it is very important for diverse communities to continue to donate blood. I just wanted to add to that as well. There is um, a stat of one in two people in Canada are eligible to donate blood but only one in 81 does. So, you know, those active regular donors are providing the necessary products for everyone else that need the life-saving gifts every day. Mm -hmm. And like Monet had mentioned, you know, it can take many donors to help a save, save someone's life, right? To help them through their fight. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, critical. And this is one thing that we can make a difference, like here in Windsor, Essex and across the country, people can move that needle, close that gap, right? So if it's currently one in 81, let's let's move that needle. Let's get people out there. And if you've never donated before, I mean, it's okay to be nervous. I remember the first time I donated, I was very, very nervous. I wasn't sure what to expect. And I do turn my head away when the needle goes in. Um, <laughs> Um, so, but I went with a friend and, uh, you know, going with a friend just made me feel a little bit more at ease. And once you go through the process once, then, you know, you, you it, it just makes it a little easier. And uh, so I always, uh, you know, put it out there that if you're thinking about donating, you know, encourage a family member, a friend, someone that perhaps has never donated to come along with you, book that appointment with you. And it just, it, it helps. And you get into a bit of a routine, right? Like I've said a couple of times on social media, like I, and I'll, I'm going to be honest, right? Like when I, I always say when the world ended in March, 2020, and no one knew what was going on with COVID, um, you know, there was, I think for a lot of folks, I mean, I mean, obviously people, you want people to take precautions too, but we, I mean, we, we took a bit of a break, right? But then last year we really ramped it up. Um, and I was actually proud to get back into it. Um, and I think it's fantastic that, I love getting out to the central branch myself and you know the staff there are fantastic but 
I love how um, part of the outreach strategy, I think, for Canadian Blood Services is to get into those other communities, right? And I, I often see the drives. I know my good friends over at Fight Like Mason, they have drives and they've had drives out into the Bell River area. Um, we've got ours coming up tomorrow at uh, the Knights of the Columbus uh, Hall here in Amherstburg. And I think it's um, it's crucial that, you know, not only are you asking people to come to the location, but you're also getting into those communities and and doing it safely, too, because the first time I got back last year uh, when it was here in town, uh, I was really impressed with the ease of how uh, quick it was and then actually using the touchscreen and and it's just everything's expedited. Actually, my wife, Carrie, gave me grief because I didn't download the app. And she's like, you got to download the app. What are you doing? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just I'm going to call. I'm going to just use the phone. And she's like, no, I've got time. And I, I, I just I'm so old when it comes to apps sometimes like I don't. And then I downloaded it and it's like, oh, this is easy. Click, 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 click. I'm done. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that needs to be, I guess, obviously communicated to folks, too, that, you know, the whole process and in terms of coming out to the communities, it's safe coming into the actual, you know, locations, brick and mortar locations. It's safe. Um, it's quick and it, it's it's nice to see that the entire organization has continued to adapt. And I know um, in this healthcare world, there's no shortage of adapting to everything that's coming out um, in regards to COVID too. And I know Marissa, you, you and I were saying about how much of a challenge that's been over the last two years. Yes, it has. Yeah. You know, to get people um, to be comfortable to come to the centers, those that perhaps have stayed away just because of COVID, um, you know, when you think about corporate world and many people working remotely, it's really hard to get um, a team together. And, and what I mean by team is that we can block off individual appointment times for individuals, but consecutive so that you're sort of you're seeing each other while maintaining physical distance, but, you know, being together kind of idea. Yeah, because there's something with that camaraderie aspect too, right? It's like you yes. have, um, I know we had our, our blood drive back in 2019 and I was able to bring out some of the staff from the CBC uh, out to it. And it was great. Like, you, you know, we kind of, after the newscast, we're all there. We're, you know, we're able to get back. And I think that's part of it with a lot of these blood drives too, especially if you're doing it in an honor of somebody. I know the first 2019 one, we were able to be on site. We, you know, we had my son there, you know, we were a bit cautious because of his uh, condition, but it's nice to have that, right? It, it gives people sort of the quote unquote warm and fuzzies a bit that they can come together as a group. But there are different ways, right, Marissa, that um, corporations and, and businesses can get involved with, with Canadian Blood Services as well? Yeah, like we have, um, if, if, uh, if they can, they can uh, get a group together. So a group can be anywhere from two to 10 people. Um, that's one way, making an annual donation pledge and having members of their team uh, sign up as a member, and anytime they individually go and donate, it will count towards the organization's pledge. They can adopt a clinic day, just like you have, um, and share that information with their um, staff and their business networks um, in order to you know, have people come out and, and donate blood in support of. Um, they can um, join the stem cell supports the stem cell registry. They can promote organ and tissue donation and transplantation. There are volunteer opportunities. Um, so many, many different ways uh, that uh, people can support, even making a financial donation. Um, you know, you, organizations can fundraise and support national programs. Individuals can leave legacies. 
I think that's a big a big thing for a lot of folks too is that you know because we often will hear from some of our family members like I do have some folks on my side that want to participate but they just they're unable to give blood right mm -hmm. but they want to participate in the drive so I really encourage them to look into some of those uh, options again even from the fundraising perspective too uh, to make sure that you know not only do you have the supply coming in but you also have the financial backing to continue to do what you guys are doing. Uh, on a local and a provincial stage too. Uh, this month is an important month. It's um, uh, second month in 2022, but it's also stem cell month in February, right? And and I know, Monet, this is something that you wanted to talk about, the importance of the registry itself um, and, and what this month obviously means to you and, and, and what you want people to know a little bit about uh, stem cell donors and and you know some of those frequently asked questions, I guess, in terms of the registry uh, to find out if folks are eligible or not. Of course. So um, February is Be a Hero um, month. So we partner with Hockey Gives Blood. So it is very important for everybody around the globe. Um, the most important thing when it comes to stem cells is that it can treat over 80 different diseases and disorders. So if you think about it, anywhere from leukemia, lymphoma, hepatic anemia, sickle cell, so many different metabolic disorders and immune system disorders that it can cure. Um, at any point in the year, there are hundreds of patients that are waiting for a stem cell match. Right now, we have over a thousand patients. And out of these patients, it's less than 25% of them are going to find a match from within their own family, leaving 75% relying on a complete stranger. So to give you a little bit more context about that, I myself have three siblings. And when I was diagnosed, um, they all got tested to see if they're a match for me. And none of them were, I still had to look and search real hard for a unrelated donor, which I was lucky enough to find. Um, but this is why it is so important to diversify our registry so that these patients that are waiting should have matches already readily available for them in the registry, not just Canadian Blood Services, but internationally around the world. Um, so diversity is very important. Right now, there is a greater need for potential donors from the Indigenous, Asian, South Asian, Hispanic, Black, and mixed race backgrounds. Um, only 33% of potential donors on Canadian Blood Services Stem Cell Registry come from those backgrounds. So you can see how difficult it really is for diverse patients to find a successful match. Um, a little more context on that too is currently the South Asian community represents less than 7% of registrants on Canadian Blood Services Stem Cell Registry. Less than 2% of the potential donors are Black and just over 1% of potential donors are from Indigenous communities. So obviously there's some, some outreach that needs to happen there and some, it's not even education, but it's just getting into the communities, I would think, right, Monet, is to kind of say, um, sure. this is what can be done. And I think when you have those, and, and, and I have to say, honestly, um, just working with you guys, especially in the last month, closely, like we have, I have to give kudos and, and to everybody, but the the communications and PR team that you have do just a phenomenal um, bit of, uh, I guess, heartfelt journalism. 
Um, mm. You know, we I actually spent some time, probably about an hour and a half, on just going through the different stories and seeing some what I always call the real people. Right? It's like these are. It's it's the numbers, but it's also the folks that live next outdoor, or it's it's people that you know you will see out on the street, and it's people, it's families, right? And it's how these different types of things that Canadian Blood Services does reaches out to folks as well, and and hopefully can say, well, wait a second, I've never done this before. Now I can actually see it. Now I can, now I get it. Or what if that was my child? Or what if that was my sister? Or that was my mom. Mm-hmm. What can I do to be a part of that too? Because like I think the three of us had said at the beginning of the show, you don't know when this, you don't know if you'll need this, but you don't know when you may need it. So it's so crucial to engage uh, any kind of community uh, to, to to make sure that they're able to do so. Of course. I mean, when I started my search in 2013, um, I was blown away when... I was working with Canadian Blood Services, a territory manager, and she had let me know that the registry was just over 2% South Asians. Um, obviously, you can imagine being a patient and don't not having a match in your own family was quite terrifying as it was. Um, but then to learn what our registry numbers actually look like um, for South Asians particularly, um, was extremely difficult. It felt like a very narrow road for myself because I feel like when you're going through treatments, you can always kind of mentally prepare yourself for the chemo, the radiation, the side effects that are going to follow. But how does somebody waiting for a stem cell match actually prepare themselves for not finding that match or not having that match? And that was the most terrifying part for me And I know for a lot of other friends that I made during my journey, that was the most difficult thing to grasp and really kind of get a handle on. So what makes my heart happy today is that when I started working with Canadian Bread Services in 2013 and recruiting stem cell donors in South Asian communities and minority communities, we were just over 2%. And over these years, to be able to see that we are over 7% today, um, it's huge. Honestly, just, yeah, that, that is great. I mean, the next South Asian patient on that registry that's waiting, they might think, oh man, there's only 7% South Asians on the registry here in Canada. But when, when we speak to them and we let them know where we grew from, my personal experience here working with the organization and how we've been able to grow the numbers, it, it gives them another ray of hope that they will find their, their match, you know? Um, I know I'm speaking for South Asians because that's that was my background. But like yeah. I mentioned, yeah. the other stats, it's so important to diversify the registry. Um, Filipinos, Asians, Black, Indigenous, you name it, mixed race. Um, it's really difficult when it comes to finding a successful donor. Um And the likelihood of a patient that's going to find their match is somebody that shares their same ethnic background because the HLA marker, so it has nothing to do with blood. A lot of people, when it comes to stem cells and uh, matches, think that our blood types have to match their blood type. The donor's blood type has to match the patients, but no, it actually has nothing to do with blood. Um, It comes down to stem cells, um, bone marrow, right? 
which is produced in our in our bodies. And when we're looking for a donor, our transplant doctors are looking at 10 HLA markers. They break it down really tiny for everybody to try and match those 10 little markers. Um, and those markers are inherited. Um, and that is why it's so important that a patient, when looking for their donor, is going to find it most likely from somebody that shares their own ethnic background, somebody from their ancestry line. Um, so yeah, that's 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 why diversity is key when it comes to stem cells. And a fun fact yeah. is, sorry, because we talked about blood. Is it's okay. No, it's all good. When a patient actually receives a transplant, um, their blood type can change. It, if I, like, I was lucky that my donor had the same blood type, but a lot of individuals, when they receive their mm -hmm. stem cell and transplant, their blood type changes. They adapt to that of the donor. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I, I honestly didn't know that. But I can't imagine. I mean, if you, you don't have a match and you're just kind of like in limbo. Yeah. Right. And you're just waiting. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I mean, to talk about, I remember seeing something a while ago, probably three, correct me if I'm right, maybe three to six months ago, but it was a little boy um, and they were looking for a very specific, uh, I believe it was, um, um, it was mixed race, but it definitely, I, I think part of it was um, Filipino. Uh, and I, you know, I, I instantly went on the site to see, but I, I was just at 40, I just turned 40. Right. So yeah. I was just, I couldn't get that, uh, on there too. But I think if mm -hmm. people look at that from that particular lens to say, okay, how can I help? And then kind of walking people through that process about what happens if you are a match, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, eligibility for a Canadian blood services stem cell registry is anybody between the ages of 17 and 35 can register. So when we say 35, we mean right before your 36th birthday, even if it's a day before you're eligible to join the registry. Um, you need to have provincial health coverage, um, be in general good health, free of infectious diseases, and then obviously be willing to donate to any patient in need. A lot of the time individuals sometimes think if they're joining um, the registry in honor of somebody that they would only want to donate for that individual. Um, but joining the registry is a, is a selfless deed that you're going to do. It is being committed to potentially donating to anybody in this world, a, a stranger for that matter. Um, and really understanding what that commitment takes. Um, so like I mentioned in February, be a hero campaign. So anybody that starts their um, process of joining the registry, they can go to um, blood.ca slash be a hero. They can join the registry if they're between 17 and 35. Um, they complete their healthcare questionnaire online and they order their swab kit free of charge online as well. And then as a bonus, you also get a be a hero toque. Um, in the mail as well, which we love seeing people that are joining in February, taking a picture or a, a selfie or a video or some sort and posting it on online and taking us at Canada's Lifeline um, and sharing their story of why they joined um, or how they were impacted, how they heard about the registry and just kind of sharing it forward and letting other individuals know because the more we carry on the conversation, the more individuals are going to become aware of what's going on and the things that they can do to help individuals. 
So that uh, that website I'll put in the show notes after as well. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast after the fact or watching the rebroadcast on YouTube, you can link up to that immediately and uh, start that process as well. Um, I mean, the need's always going to be there, right, Marissa? Uh, whether it is, is it the stem cell side of things, blood donation, it's this isn't something uh, I, I'd imagine, especially with everything going on. I mean, you mentioned the snowstorm we had a couple of weeks back. Um, kind of putting a hamper in things. But I mean, it's it's always keeping it top of mind, right? Getting people to start thinking, hey, I, I said it jokingly, it's like, it's almost like your donation schedule, right? If you can get into that sort of routine to say, yeah, I can, when, as soon as I'm eligible, just, you know, see when they're in town or drive out and go get it done. I, d- I just want to mention too, like we're so fortunate in uh, the Windsor Essex area. Number one, we have a permanent collection site. There are 35 uh, brick and mortar operations across Canada that collect whole blood and Windsor is one of them. So it's a really great opportunity for those that live, work and play in Windsor uh, to be able to come out and, and donate in surrounding communities. Um, as well as we visit like we are tomorrow, we're in Amherstburg. So we host these mobile events in the various Essex County communities. And so it's really important for people to um, to support us and to support those patients that are in need of blood and blood products. Because like you said, the need is constant. Every minute of every day, someone's receiving a blood transfusion. And in just the short time that we've been on this uh, podcast together, I mean, it's been 30 minutes, 30 people have received a blood transfusion. And oftentimes it can be from more than one generous donor. So um, it's one of the most direct ways to help a patient in need. So if you know, if you're able to do it, we'd love to have you. Um, We have a great website that has lots of um, uh, great information about the ABCs of eligibility is what we call about uh, about it. So if someone has any questions, frequently asked questions and answers are there. Um, if 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 you don't find the information that you need there, you can certainly call our uh, toll free line at one triple eight to donate. We have information nurses that are more than happy to answer uh, your inquiries. You know, just before we wrap things up and 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 we sort of. Uh, you know, continue to ask people to start thinking about, you know, and, and continue to think about Canadian blood services as well. Uh, Bonet, what do you want to say to folks who, you know, who've heard about Canadian blood services, the stem cell registry, but they've just always, you know, you, you hear this, you see the stories in the news and, and, and you see these folks that, you know, are asking for, you know, hey, if you're of this particular background, help us out. What do you want to say to folks that are like, yeah, maybe I should do it um, to kind of get them to kind of wrap their heads around I don't want to say the urgency, but yeah, certainly the urgency of, of, of providing um, something that could save a life. Um, the message that I would personally like to give is that um, when it comes to blood disorders and diseases and blood cancers, um, it does not discriminate based on your age, race, or gender. Um, your family can be impacted at any given time without a heads up. That's how it hit home for me. Um, And you don't know when you're gonna be in need of any of the blood products, in need of a stem cell transplant. Um, So I mean, instead of waiting for that moment where you are personally impacted, why not be proactive and get out there and donate blood, donate plasma um, or platelets or join the stem cell registry. it's really easy. Joining the stem cell registry literally takes 
10 minutes. It's all done virtually because the pandemic obviously impacted us greatly um, in the fact that we can no longer hold in-person events. We can't go around in these communities and do in-person swapping events. Um, so we are relying heavily on online registration. So if somebody needs that little push, don't wait for leukemia or sickle cell or some sort of disorder to come hit your home, your mom, sister, dad, brother. Be proactive and just join the registry and you might be somebody's life savings match you know you could be a hero today if you just join the registry and to the two of you i i just wanted to say keep up the great work you guys are doing and everybody who's doing a canadian blood services and uh you know i i i think i speak for everybody who's been a recipient of uh a blood donation or uh any anyone who's been involved over the years it's, it's a vital service for what you guys are doing so thank you so much for spending some time with me tonight thank you for having us arms it's been great yeah, thank you for honestly giving us this opportunity to raise awareness and speak about our blood products that we offer here in Canadian Blood Services. Well, I appreciate the both of you uh, very much for spending some time from us uh, here uh, on the program and to talk a little bit about Canadian Blood Services and you know everything that's been going on uh, with them. And obviously, Be a Hero Month is this month. The Stem Cell Registry, as uh, Monet said, is so crucial to folks. And uh, if you can donate, it's really easy to do it. Um, I don't even look when they when I give blood, and I'm going to give blood tomorrow um, here in Amherstburg. Um, I don't even look when they they do it. I just kind of look the other way and chat it up, start to talk to folks around, and uh, you know away we go. But we would love to see you if you are able to uh, join us tomorrow at the Knights of Columbus Hall. Uh, we are going to be there, and it's happening from one till seven. And blood.ca, you can check it out or download the app. Very easy to do so. Uh, and this blood drive is in honor of my son, Liam, um, who has uh, been lucky enough to receive three blood transfusions when he needed it most during his open heart surgeries about four years ago. So uh, really looking forward to getting out there and donate and being a part of something absolutely phenomenal with Canadian Blood Services as well. That's going to do it for this week's show on the Arms Movement Life Project. We're back again next week, Tuesday nights at 8. We've got another great guest coming up. Uh, Sarah Mushtak is going to join me. She is a columnist with the Windsor Star. And we're going to talk a little bit more about diversity and inclusion in Windsor-Essex. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for watching. Have a great night.